Welcome to the Servant's Heart Chapel podcast with Pastor Daryl Underwood. We hope you are blessed and encouraged by this week's sermon. Now here's Pastor Daryl. Okay. We came out here in 2012. Uh, I got orders uh, for here. I first found out about it. Um, I was in April of 2012, early April, and I was supposed to be here by late June, so not even two months' notice. Uh, and we were going to come out here. We were going to drive out here to find a place to live before we officially moved out here. And after looking online and talking to people, I realized that driving all the way out here wasn't going to uh, really benefit us. Um, we got on the list for military housing, and, and that was pretty much all we could do. There really wasn't, because as you know, there's not a whole lot out here. So, so I, I, I had already scheduled for vacation time to do that. And we lived in Florida for, for about 15 years. Um, and during that time, we had gotten to go to Disney World on several occasions. Um, I got to buy what's called Florida resident passes, so they were cheaper than normal tickets. Uh, so the kids loved going to Disney World, and I thought, well, let's surprise them. And instead of going to New Mexico, we won't tell them. We've changed our plans. But instead of going to New Mexico to look for a place to live, we're going to go to, to uh, Disney World and surprise the kids with a trip there for a few days. So I, I wondered, I, I wondered when they would notice, when they would speak up, that something was awry. And I thought maybe it's when I get on Interstate 10 and go east instead of west. Nope. Well, maybe it's when I, I go on I-75 south down into Florida. Nope. Maybe it's when, maybe they'll say something when uh, the, the billboards advertising get close enough, they start seeing these billboards advertising Disney World. Maybe they'll speak up. Nope. Maybe it's when we're driving through the front gate of Disney World. No. They didn't say anything until finally I was like, you guys know we're going to Disney World, right? Like, oh. Cody told me, he, I, I, he told me that he figured it out finally towards the end, but didn't want to say anything because he thought I was just going to trick them and say, oh, no, we're not really going to Disney World. I don't know what kind of monster he thinks I am <laughs> that we would drive all the way to Disney World and go, ah, ha, ha, we're not going. But they were, they were victims of what's called situational blindness. When something goes so far out of your expectations, you just can't even conceptualize it. 
they had in their minds that we were going to New Mexico so much that even though they saw evidence otherwise, it didn't trigger. They never once asked, what, what are we doing? We're going the wrong way. What's going on? Situational blindness. It's, uh, there was this video when I, when I used to teach classes in the military. I, I, I show them a video. You can find it on YouTube. And if you haven't seen it, I'm going to kind of ruin it for you now. Um, but there's a video of these basketball players. And, and you're told to watch the guys with the white shirts and count the number of times they pass the ball. And so you watch this video for about five minutes. And then you tell them how many times they pass the ball. Well, during the video, while you're watching this basketball game, at the back of the court, this gorilla walks from one side of the screen, stops in the middle of the game and stands there and then walks away. And almost nobody ever catches it. Situational blindness, something outside your expectations. It throws you off. And that's one type of blindness we're going to see here in this passage. Beginning with verse 1 of chapter 9, as, as he passed by, he saw a man blind from birth. His disciples questioned him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Neither this man nor his parents sinned, Jesus answered. This came about so that God's works might be displayed in him. Let's freeze it there. Let's freeze the action. So Jesus walking by and, and they see this man blind. The, the disciples ask him a good question. Why is he blind? Why is he suffering? Is it because he sinned or his parents sinned? And Jesus said, neither is so that God's works might be displayed in him. We can take a couple things from this. We can take that there's three different causes for suffering in this world. One is your own sin. Causes suffering. Two, sins of your parents can cause you suffering. Did you know that? Did you know that you, your sin can cause your children suffering? And finally... They be suffering for the very reason that God is working something special in your life. I mentioned Andrew Brunson, that, that pastor that spent two years in a Turkish prison. When he got out of the prison, he said something that really intrigued me. He said, if I'd gotten out of the first year, I would have just been a broken man. It was that second year in the prison that made all the difference. Can you believe that? I was like, what? how would that be? You think it'd only get worse. And during that time, he, he was supposed to get out around a year mark, and it, things were working that way, and it just all fell apart, and he, he, he couldn't believe it. And he was so distraught. But during that second year, he, he came to terms with it. He's like, God, whatever you want, 
I, you know, I'm willing to go along with it. And he grew from that. And he grew from this man who felt sorry for himself all the time to this man of God who wanted to please the Lord above all else. And he got out the second year. And then after he got out, he was reading his journal one day. And in that journal, around the time that he was beginning out the first time, he had written how he was praying one day and God had asked him, if it brings glory to me, are you willing to stay in longer? And he said, yes. He forgot about that. And so he saw the purpose. Friends, if, if you're suffering, if you're going through pain and suffering right now, And he said, I'm, I'm trying to live for the Lord and I'm doing what's right. Part of it is going to be sin that you're still reaping. That takes time. Ask God for grace. But part of it is so God can do something special in you. That's, that is not just mere words. That is a reality. I would stake my entire reputation as a pastor on that fact. Verse 4, Jesus continued, he said, We must do the works of him who sent me while it is day. Night is coming when no one can work. Let's freeze it right there. Freeze the action right there real quick. Because I think there's a truth that Jesus brings that we need to remember. Our time on earth is limited. We don't want to waste time. We don't want to waste time doing things we know is wrong. We don't want to waste time not doing what God has put us on earth to do. We waste so much time. I have dear friends that have wasted their years on frivolous pursuits. I mean completely frivolous. Spending all their free time playing video games. Watching cartoons, TV shows. There's nothing for God's glory being accomplished. You're not, you know, I... I Benefiting anybody else, benefiting themselves, glorifying God in any way. They're wasting their lives. People wasting their lives, not serving the Lord. I have no people that got saved when they're 50 and 60 and even 70. That's wonderful. I'm grateful to God for His mercy. But that's 50, 60, 70 years wasted. They could have been doing more for the Lord. How much more they accomplished. I had one man... Uh, who was basically on his deathbed. And he started talking how God, when he was in his 20s, he was in his 80s now, in his 20s, God had called him to preach. And he ran away from that call. And oh, I'm now I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go start a church. I'm going to do what God wants me to do. I believe he made, he, I, believe, I do believe God's heart right, heart right with God. And he's in heaven now. But it was too late. 
I saw a man who who was a, a for most of his adult life was a great trouble, and even teenage life and adult life was great a great burden on his parents. He 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 caused him so much trouble. He was in and out of jail. He had all kinds of problems, and his dad was on his deathbed, and he sat next to his dad, and he said. I'm gonna be my dad was always here for me. I'm gonna be here for him. In his last hours. And I thought, that's nice. But that's too late. Don't wait till it's too late. Make the use of the time now while it is day, because the night is coming. In verse 5, Jesus said, let's restart it. Jesus said, as long as I'm in the world, I am the light of the world. I am going to shed light. I am going to share the message. I am going to open people up to the reality of the heaven and the gospel and the kingdom of heaven that is here. Verse 6, after he said these things, he did something unusual here. Jesus spit on the ground, made some mud from the saliva, and spread the mud on his eyes, the blind man's eyes. And go, he told him, wash in the pool of Siloam, which means sent. So he left, washed, and he came back seeing. Jesus did unusual before. He would just... Say, you know, your sight is re- real. Just by his words, he would heal. This time, he, he, he makes uh, a spit of a saliva. He doesn't explain why he does that, but we can glean a few different truths from that. Number one, Jesus isn't bound to one particular method for healing people. Number two, his very essence heals. Jesus came to heal. And so every part of his being has healing factors. Just like that woman. Remember that uh, in, in the woman who was sick for like 12 years? And, and, and Jesus passed by and she thought, if I can just touch the hem of his garment, I'll be healed. And she did. And he, he immediately stopped. Who touched me? The disciples were like, what are you talking about? There's people all around us. What do you mean who touched me? You know, I, I, I sense power leave me. And the woman admitted it. And he said, your faith has healed you. Even his clothes healed. And notice that it was a complete healing. Yes, he could see, but he'd been blind since birth. So technically, if, if, G, if, if Jesus had just physically healed him, mechanically healed his eyes so he could see, there were still going to be problems with the brain because he had never had to process visual input. Have you ever thought about that? There was a story about a man who gained sight for the first time in his life, and he nearly fell out of a two-story window because he was trying to grab onto the toy cars. He had not figured out perspective. 
And what he thought was just a toy car right there was actually a real car far down. All the decisions your mind has to make and, and all the colors and, 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 and understanding distance. God, Jesus healed that too. He automatically could understand and, and contemplate what he was looking at and he could see. Because see, when Jesus heals, he heals completely. When Jesus forgives, he forgives completely. The devil will tell you, remind you of past sins. You remind him, that's under the blood. Amen? Oh, we got so much to do in 16 minutes already. Let's continue on. Verse 8, and his neighbors and those who were formerly had seen him as a beggar said, isn't this the man who sat begging? Some said he's the one. No, others say, but he looks like him. So they were, they were situational blindness. Yeah, he looks like him. It can't be him because they couldn't co contemplate this reality. This guy who was blind and begging all his life now can see perfectly fine. They couldn't comprehend. They couldn't wrap their brains around that. And he kept saying, I'm the one. It's me. Verse 10, therefore they asked him, then how were your eyes opened? He answered, the man called Jesus made mud, spread it on my eyes and told me to go to Salome and wash. And so I went and washed and received my sight. Where is he? They said, I don't know. They brought this man, the blind man, uh, or the man who used to be blind to the Pharisees. Verse 14, the, the day that Jesus made the mud and opened his eyes was a Sabbath day. So again, the Pharisees asked him how he received his sight. He, they said, he put mud in my eyes and told them I wash and I can see. Therefore, some of the Pharisees said, this man is not from God, for he doesn't keep the Sabbath. They were criticizing Jesus because he healed someone on the Sabbath. Which, by the way, was not God's law. That was their law. That was a law, they, a man-made law, they had created, they had added so many laws to the Sabbath, things you could do and couldn't do on, on the Sabbath. And Jesus had no patience for that. But others were saying, how can a sinful man perform such, perform such signs? And so there was this division among them. Verse 17, again they asked the blind man, how did you... How do you say about him since he opened your eyes? Or what do you say about him since he opened your eyes? He's a prophet, he said. The Jews did not believe this about him. That he was blinded and received sight. Now they still didn't believe. Why? Because of spiritual blindness. Spiritual blindness occurs when we allow something to distract us from our faith, making it impossible to follow Jesus. Did you get that? Spiritual blindness occurs when we allow something to distract us from our faith, from the reality of our faith, 
making it impossible to follow Jesus. Until they they summon, it's like there's lots of Everybody's crying. Poor Missy. All right. So they summon the parents of the one who received his sight. They ask them, is this your son, the one you say was born blind? Then how does he now see? Verse 20, we know this is our son, that he was born blind. His parents answered, but we don't know how he now sees, and we don't know who opened his eyes? Ask him. He's of age. He will speak for himself. His parents, the Bible says, verse 22, his parents said these things because they were afraid of the Jews. Since the Jews had already agreed that if anyone confessed him being Christ as Messiah, he would be banned from the synagogue. And this is why his parents said he's of age. Ask him. His parents threw their son under the bus. Verse 24, so the second time they summoned the man who had been blind and told him, give glory to God, we know that this man is a sinner. He answered, whether or not he's a sinner, I don't know. One thing I do know, I was blind and now I see. Praise God. To me, that is pure religion. All I know is I was blind and now I see. All I know is I was lost and now I'm found. Yes. I don't think you always have to be in a hard situation. Um... But I think often when people are in bad situations, they realize, hey, this isn't working for me. There's got to be a better way. And they begin thinking about God. Because spiritual blindness, and I'm going to talk about that. I'll be talking more about that. I think I'm going to answer your question coming up. Verse 26, then they asked him, what did he do to you? How did he open your eyes? I already told you, he said, and you didn't listen. Why do you want to hear it again? You don't want to become his disciples too, do you? And they ridiculed, the Pharisees ridiculed him. You're the man's disciple. Well, we're Moses' disciples. We know that God has spoken to Moses, but this man, we don't know where he's from. This is an amazing thing, the man told them. You don't know where he's from, yet he opened my eyes. We know that God doesn't listen to sinners, but if anyone is God-fearing and does his will, he listens to him. Throughout history, no one has ever heard of someone opening the eyes of a person born blind. If this person were not from God, he wouldn't be able to do anything. You were born entirely in sin, they replied, and are you trying to teach us? Then they threw him out. They kicked him out of the synagogue. 
They were blinded by pride. We're going to talk about that in a second. They were blinded by pride. How dare you try to educate us on religion? We have had a formal education on religion. And you're just a sinner. Verse 35, when Jesus heard that they had thrown the man out, he found him and asked, Do you believe in the Son of Man? Son of Man means Messiah. Do you believe in, that's what he's asking, do you believe in the Messiah? Who is he, sir, that I may believe in him? He asked. Jesus answered, You have seen him, in fact, he is the one speaking with you. I believe, Lord, he said, and he worshipped him. He worshipped Jesus. I want to freeze it right there. She so had the man who was formerly blind worshipping Jesus. Jesus allowed it. That's another sign where Jesus said, Jesus saying, he is God. Some people say, well, I don't believe Jesus is God, but he was a good teacher. It can't be true. You can't believe that. Because if he was not God, he pretended to be God, and he's not a good teacher. Verse 39, Jesus said, I came into this world for judgment in order that those who do not see will see, and those who do see will become blind. Did you get that? Jesus said, I came into the world for judgment in order that those who do not see will see. Those who can't or are blind will begin to see, and those who see will become blind. Now, what does he mean there? Those who admit they're blind, those of us who admit we're blind, we can't do it, we can't figure it out, we need God's help. God will begin to help us to see. The Bible talks about those who could see and are now blind. Actually, in Romans chapter 1, verse 28, it says, And because they did not think it worthwhile to acknowledge God, God delivered them over to a worthless mind to do what is morally wrong. They knew God. They knew. They knew the truth. But they decided to reject God. And God let them just believe what they wanted to believe. That's what the Bible says. To me, that's one of the scariest truths in the Bible. God will let you believe what you want to believe. I think of the story, the tragedy of Sam Kinison. Anybody ever heard of Sam Kinison? Young folks don't know him anymore. He's been dead for a while now. He was a very popular comedian, made a ton of money. He was a preacher at one time. But he rejected God. And I mean turned against God. And made his act all about making fun of God. And God let him do that. It's an absolute tragedy. 
Verse 40 in, in, in John 9, some of the Pharisees who were with him heard these things and asked him, we aren't blind too, are we? Jesus said, if you were blind, you wouldn't have sin, or you wouldn't have the guilt with sin because you're blind. But now that you say we see, your sin remains. I've got it all figured out. I, I see. I don't need God's help. That is the essence of spiritual blindness. Which is what I want to spend the rest of my time talking about. Spiritual blindness. I said earlier that spiritual blindness occurs when we allow something to distract us from the reality of our faith, making it impossible to follow Jesus. That distraction happens because we believe we can find happiness in something else other than God. So I want you to walk with me through a gallery of spiritual blindness. You ever been to an art gallery before? That's what we're going to do. We're going to look at pictures of spiritual... So just kind of envision your mind that we're walking down a dark hall. It's the gallery of spiritual blindness. And so there's, there's 16 of them. And so I'm not going to spend a lot of time on, on each and every one because I don't want to be here for another hour or so. But this is very important. I want you to think about this. Each and every one. Think to yourself, Lord, ask yourself, God, do I have a problem with this area? So the first one is hatred. The spiritual blindness of hatred. Those that are spiritually blind by hatred feel like they find happiness through this instead of God. And even Christian. By the way, a lot of spiritual blindness can happen to churchgoers. Even sincere Christians. Like, for instance, hatred or bitterness or unforgiveness. If we look at Ephesians chapter 4, verse 31, I'm just going to read it real quick. Verse 31 and 32. All bitterness, anger, and wrath, shouting, and slander must be removed from you, along with all malice. Malice is evil intent. If I could hurt you, I would. I wish, I wish bad things had happened to you. That's malice. We're to be kind, and be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving one another, just as God also forgave you in Christ. God said, you don't forgive others, I won't forgive you. We forgive because God forgave us. I once heard forgiveness, actually just recently heard forgiveness defined as giving up the right to be angry with somebody. That's forgiveness. I know of a young man who was abused by his father. And this young man was, was trying to to be a Christian, so he's a baby Christian, learning what it means. And his dad had reached out to him and he told his dad, I forgive you, but I will not forget. And I don't want anything to do with you. He's dealing with bitterness in his heart still. He hasn't forgiven. 
He doesn't know that yet, though. He's spiritually blind. We fool ourselves into thinking that we have a right to hold on to anger towards somebody. The spiritual, the next one, is spiritual blindness of greed. Money, 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 money. I will be happy if I, I won't find my happiness in God. I'll find my happiness in wealth and possessions. There's always some new song coming out about it, right? Living the high life. And that becomes our God. There are some who are spiritually blind with pride. I'm, I'm just in awe of my own self-importance. And I'm put off when people try to teach me something, try to help me, right? Try to put me out. That's, that's pride. I, I find my happiness in my own sense of pride. I, I, I deserve what I, I'm owed. There's the spiritual blindness of prayerlessness. Those who are blinded by prayerlessness. Prayerlessness is interesting. You need prayer to survive as a Christian. It's like your spiritual food. But something interesting about prayer compared to regular food, if I go without a couple meals, I'm going to start missing food, right? I'm going to get hungry. Well, if you start missing prayer, you stop being, you stop being hungry for it. When you're, and you're in a good prayer uh, routine with the Lord, you, 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 and if you miss it, you, you miss, have to miss a session, you, you miss it. Well, then you stop missing it. You become numb to that. And you think, I don't need it. I actually had one man tell me just recently that he didn't need to pray to God. He didn't need to pray at all. He can, he said, if you ask him, he's a Christian, he said, yeah, I'm a Christian. But he didn't need to pray. And to me, that, that also connects to pride. Because prayer, to me, is us admitting we can't do it on our own. We need God's help. Another spiritual blindness is, is work. Work that excludes God. Where it becomes all about the job. And it's all, we skip, we, 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 we get up early, not for devotions, but to get into work early, and we work late, and we're too tired to be with family, or go to church that night, and we work Sundays, oh, I, I love to come to church Sunday, pastor, but I got to go into work and take care of this or that. That, where work excludes God. We think, I want to be happy doing this, I, and we work on you know, our main focus isn't our relationship with God. Our primary focus becomes, how can I move up the ladder? How can I get promoted? How can I become uh, a manager? How can I go to the next rank? Whatever I need to do.
Another spiritual blindness is independence. I don't need anybody's help. I can do it on my own. Lies people I hear, uh, those that are that blinded by independence are those who say, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm spiritual, but I'm not religious. I'm going to kind of do what I want to do. I don't need to be connected to anybody. I don't need to follow the Bible even. And that's how I want to find happiness. And not through Jesus. Another spiritual blindness is hypocrisy. It's easy to fall fall into hypocrisy, but you are definitely guilty by staying in it. You're walking with the Lord, and you stumble. A sin comes into your life, and you think, I'm not going to stop but I'm just going to continue pretending everything's alright with my relationship with God. I'm going to continue to put this facade on that everything's okay. That's hypocrisy. And people think that they find happiness that way. And this is and this is this befalls everybody. We hear we hear about the pastors that fall into this, right? They end up getting caught in affairs. Or uh, stealing money. The devil's really, really conniving. Another uh, spiritual blindness we come up to is a critical spirit. This negative attitude towards other people. Not being charitable, not giving people the benefit of the doubt. You've all been on social media, you've seen plenty of examples of it. We can, I see criticism everywhere. In fact, I've noticed every major company that, or any major uh, entity that, that posts something like on Facebook, if there's more than 100 comments, I know I can click on that and there's going to be some negative comments. Critical spirit. We, we, when, when, and I've seen people who consider themselves, I've been a Christian for decades. I've walked for the Lord. I've done this. I've been a missionary. I've been a preacher. And they have a critical spirit and they don't even see it. Why? Because they're spiritually blind. They've allowed something to distract them from the reality of the faith. It's impossible to follow Christ. The ninth type of spiritual blindness, lust. Is that if I could, I would. This contemplation. In the mind that works, that oh, if I could, if I could do something that I know is wrong, I, I, if I get away with it, I could do it. That's that's lust. 
mull it over in your mind. We think, oh, it won't hurt anybody. I'm just keeping it to myself. It's a spiritual blindness. A lot of people are affected by it. Another spiritual blindness is negative imaginations. Fear. Worry. Self-pity. These are all negative imaginations. We're told not to fear. We're told not to worry. Someone once said that worry is momentary atheism. When you worry about something, you're, you're acting as if there is no God. Self-pity. As if you don't deserve to go through what you're going through. As if you're above going through what you're going through. As if God doesn't have your best interest at heart. These negative imaginations, we, we're overcome by them. And we, we, you know, we're, supposed to, we're told to give our cares to God. Everything that we're concerned about, everything that we're worried about, just that moment, just give it over to the Lord. And sometimes, mind you, sometimes you have to keep giving it back. Sometimes we, we, we give it to God and then we take it back. And we worry about it again. We need to give it to God again. Just keep doing that. Every time you realize you're holding it, just give it back to God. And whatever challenge you're facing in your life, you don't know what to do. You don't know what the next step is. You don't feel like you have the intelligence, the willpower. Next spiritual blindness we talk about today is laziness. Not willing to. I thought you'd enjoy that, Kitty. Not willing to put forth an effort. I'll serve God as long as it doesn't cost me much. As long as He don't ask a lot of me. Lord, spiritual blindness is elitism. I'm better than you because I'm rich. There's also reverse elitism. I'm better than you because I'm poor. Racism would fall in this and there is too. I'm better than you because I'm different and you're not the same as me. Sexism would fall in this too. This also kind of connects with pride too, doesn't it? The spiritual blindness. 
that we are better than anybody in any way. And that keeps us from following Christ. Next spiritual blindness is impatience. God, I need you to help me. I need it right now. Overnight delivery. I, I, man, I, I, I'd helped, I'd counseled with, he struggled with his temper. And he seemed a little peeved that God just didn't automatically get rid of it. I said, dude, it took me years for God to help me with that. God's capable of doing stuff instantaneously. It's us that takes time. And God is so patient. God is so patient. He will wait years to get you in a spot where you need to be to, to grow you in His grace. We also be patient not just for ourselves and our own development, but with others. We 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 are so all of us have quirks, right, and shortcomings, annoyances. All of us do, and we're we're so forgiving of ourselves, but lack patience with the shortcomings of others. Number 14, daily distractions. Electronics and, and entertainment, everything to distract us from focusing on God, focusing on our relationship with Him, our walk with Him, allow, giving us opportunities to, to, to better ourselves or those around us for the cause of Christ. Hours we spend on on entertainment and social media, the devil would have us completely distracted. If he had his way, we would never spend any uh, uh, any day of any value to accomplishing anything. We would stand uh, in our faces in front of a screen, always completely oblivious to the needs around us and our own needs. Spiritual blindness. Another spiritual blindness is legalism. That picture right there, this is in front of a church. The homeless guy and all the church people just walked past him. I don't think any, if I, I have to watch it, it's been a while since I've watched the video, but I don't think anybody actually helped him. Gave him anything, talked to him, prayed with him. And he was in a church of thousands of people. This wasn't some tiny church, it was a giant church. Well, this guy was actually the pastor. And so after everybody walked in, 
he walked in and started taking his costume off to everybody's shock. Legalism is where you follow the form of religion, but you deny the power. You miss the point. You follow the rules, you miss the heart. A lot of people are just going through the motions, going through the ritual. A lot of people are very consistent with ritual. They go to church, they follow the standards. I don't think my father-in-law, I love him. Um, and I don't think he minded all me telling this story. He spent his whole adult life going to church every Sunday morning, every Sunday night, every Wednesday night when he was home because he was a truck driver. I think, I think he was home most of the time, though. They always went to all the revival. Every time the doors were open and he was home, they were in church. They held high standards. They didn't even have a TV in their house. They wore modest clothes. They didn't wear jewelry. They followed all the rules. But you know, he wasn't saved. And he, he didn't get saved until just a, a couple weeks before he died. He was blinded by a form of spiritual blindness. He was following the ritual. But he never had the relationship until towards the end of his life. And I thank God. I thank God he got his heart right with the Lord. Blinded by legalism. And finally, blinded by envy. Wanting what other people have. Oh, if I only want, if I only had what they had, if I only had her husband, his wife, if I only had his job, her job, or whatever it may be, then I'd be happy. That's another, it's another fallacy. The only way we find happiness and completion in our lives is through faith. In Jesus Christ. You know, I don't know if you, uh, this, uh, this morning as I've gone through this, if, if maybe there was one or more items that you thought to yourself, well, that is me right there. There's a remedy. That remedy is repentance. To regret, regret your sin and confess and forsake it to God and turn away from that sin and say, I'm, I'm, I'm walking this way now. And that repentance requires two characteristics which are displayed by the blind man. You know what those are? One thing, the blind man was humble. Jesus smeared mud on his face. And told him to go wash somewhere specific. 
and he disobeyed. That's the second part, obedience. But he, he was humble. He wasn't too proud to let that happen. He wasn't too proud to obey, and he did obey. That's what we need. We need humility and obedience. And maybe you say, Pastor Daryl, I have struggled with this area, and I just feel like I have no control. I can't beat it. I'm at a loss. What do you do then? Our director of missions is Tim Keep. We're hoping that Tim Keep comes and visits our church this fall. But his son Jesse, many years ago when he was four years old, was diagnosed with an infection in one of his eyes. And they had to remove his eye to, to protect him. And then, later on, when he was five years old, they had to remove the second eye to save his life. And when Jesse, at five years old, realized he was never going to see again, he became very remote, very depressed, very angry. And he would act out, and he would be always be mad. And Tim was in his room one day, praying to God, saying, Lord, this can't continue. This can't continue anymore. While he was praying, Jesse came to him. And he said, Dad, guess what? The very excited voice. And Tim said, what? And he said, the next person I'm going to see is Jesus. And from that point on, his attitude was completely different. See, Jesse had been blinded by the spiritual blindness of self-pity. But God had answered prayer and changed his heart. And he's grown up to be a wonderful young man who, by the way, plays the piano very well. And does all kinds of amazing things. And I'm looking forward to seeing what God does with his life. So I want to encourage you, if you feel like you're locked into some spiritual blindness and you can't get out of it, you can't defeat it, where you fail, God will always prevail. Let's stand. Thank you for joining us. If you liked this podcast, then hit the subscribe button. Also, take some time to rate us. Feel free to check out our website at servantsheartchapel.org, and you can email us at servantsheartchapel at gmail.com. Thanks again, and have a blessed week.